It's no secret you love your mother and of course you love your father, but the real question this holiday season is, do you love your herd? Crooked Bend Wildlife Food Plot Seed is sure to be a fan favorite during the harsh Michigan winter ahead of us. They're a family owned local small business we're proud to partner with and call our friends. Check them out at crooked-bend.com or on Instagram at crookedbend. Make sure to use the promo code Wolverine at checkout to receive a free Crooked Bend hat with your purchase. Crooked Bend Wildlife Seed, love your herd. Welcome to episode 12 of the Wolverine Whitetail Podcast, presented by Crooked Bend Wildlife Food Plot Seed. It is now early December here in Michigan, and it's been quite a while since we recorded one of these. You know, we've been doing a little hunting, and we've been busy doing other stuff. But uh, before we get into all that, Chooch, old buddy, how the heck are you? I'm well, Bob. Thanks for asking. I think you say Chooch, old buddy, on every single one of these. I like it. It's kind of my thing. Yeah. No, I'm good, man. How you been? Good, man. Been busy. You know, we got the holidays coming. Just got off the Thanksgiving holiday, rolling into Christmas. Um, we had some snow on the ground, but I think it's all gone now. So it's it seems like October 1st was forever ago, yet at the same time, it went by super fast. Agreed. I didn't know how I did. I might have caught you off guard there, but um, do you want to start by talking about like kind of? I mean, you've got stories from even before October that we haven't talked about yet. So oh, that's a good point. Yeah, maybe we should kind of lead off with that and then roll into uh, the bow season stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. I kind of forgot about that. Um, yeah, I'll make it short and sweet. But um, had some early season success. Went up to the cabin up in Montmorency County. Uh, for the the weekend of the early antlerless firearm um went up there just uh, got away and my parents were up there celebrating their anniversary so it was kind of nice just the three of us up at the cabin which it's been very long time since you know it was just like the three of us up there so that was cool um planned on doing a lot of scouting and then just it was pretty warm um mild compared to most years that time of year it was like in the 50s and 60s but um, long story short, I went out um, to one of the shacks where there were some hot oak trees and the acorns were dropping like crazy. So I think my sister had been up there like a week prior and she was walking around with her husband back there just like looking for dead oaks and stuff to bring in for firewood. And she was like, yeah, there's deer sign everywhere. I'm like, did you see acorns? She's like, yeah, I think so. You know, she has no idea. But anyway, um, went out that uh, Saturday evening got to the blind. I don't know exactly what time, but hadn't been there long. I was still in a white t-shirt and had the windows open, uh, trying to cool down to put my dark, darker, uh, hoodie on. And, um, all of a sudden the wind was good, but all of a sudden I started getting blown at like an hour, 45 minutes after sitting there, it's something, a doe started blowing at me. And, there's I have a lot of theories as to why that is could have been because I was in a white t-shirt um but I uh grabbed the grabbed my muzzleloader because I don't have uh, my 270 right now 
and put the muzzleloader up thinking this doe would probably be gone because she was blowing at me like crazy. Um, she continued to blow at me uh, probably 10 to 12 times. I got the muzzleloader up on the windowsill and saw her uh, standing behind an aspen near in this pile of oaks. And I could see her head and neck and I could see the like back end of her body. Basically the only thing that was covered was her front leg. So, you know, when you can't see the front leg, it's hard to tell exactly where the vitals are. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm trying to, she's probably like, I think she was like 70 yards. So, and I just like sighted in the muzzleloader again, just to make sure it was on and it was, you know, dead nuts. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to, you know, take a neck shot. And I'm trying to steady myself. I think it caught me so off guard. I, I had some buck fever going. Like I was not as composed as I would have liked to have been. And I realized like, there's no way you're taking a neck shot. Like when you're, you know, this unsteady. So started looking, this all happened of course, in a matter of seconds, but I looked at the back of her body and I was like, okay, like I could see quite a bit of length. And I imagine like her shoulder must've been just behind this tree. And I thought I could kind of see a crease, like where the shoulder came up. Anyway, I um, basically set my crosshairs on the edge of this aspen, like as far forward as I could be, if that makes sense. So um, I just, I, I figured like, okay, at this point, like this is far enough forward. I, I have to be hitting vitals. Um, I just hugged that aspen and was still a little bit unsteady. And, um, I just, like, I, I remember taking probably like two seconds to just, I took my head away from the scope and I'm like, okay, you're not going to shoot this deer if you're bouncing all over like this, especially this marginal of a shot where you're either going to hit the tree or you're going to hopefully hit her in the vitals, uh, which I was pretty confident in. So I just kind of took a deep breath, calmed my nerves. And I don't, it, it's just one of those things where I feel like it's, it's something that it's the one thing, one aspect of deer hunting that I am good at. Like I, I was able to calm myself down and just start breathing and went through my routine. And then all of a sudden those crosshairs were just like dead steady, you know, like dead set and yeah, squeezed it off and a bunch of smoke and everything. So I didn't know if I hit her, I couldn't see her. I, I, know, I didn't know if she dropped or what happened. What I figured was, all right, I either hit her or I'm going to walk up that aspirin and there's going to be a big hole in it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. then I'll know. Then, I, then I'll know. So she should either be dead or I blew this tree to smithereens. <laughs> so, or the tree's dead. Um, so parents heard me shoot. My dad's all excited. Oh, did, did you get one? He, was that you? I'm like, he's got bad hearing. I'm like, yeah, that was me. Um, so they came out and Pops and I went out there and started looking for blood. Didn't see a hole in the tree, so that was good. Knew I hit her. And, um, man, we were looking for quite a while. And when I shot her, probably still had an hour and a half, two hours until dark, something like that. Well, by the time we got out there, it was probably like an hour until dark. So I waited a while, um, walked out there and I started kind of like just looking in the area just for blood. And so was my dad. He finally found a speck and this is the third deer I've shot with this muzzleloader. And it doesn't seem to matter what ammunition I hit him with. There was just like no blood. So he started, long story short, we're out there for a while, just fought, like we found a few specks of blood and got like a general direction. We follow, probably followed blood for like 10 yards and it was just these tiny specks. And she was going towards like kind of open, like these 
kind of open hardwoods of oaks. There wasn't a ton of high like fern foliage. So I figured I'd be able to see her if she didn't go far and she was down. So I walked, um, I guess it'd be to the north. There's this like two track. It's like an easement. And I was like, I'm going to go to that two track and just kind of follow it to the east to see if she crossed this. Like I'll be able to see blood or, or tracks. And then I'll know that she's beyond this point. And when I followed that all the way down, she did not cross that two track at all. And it's pretty wide two track. So like I said, I'd be able to see tracks. So then I was like, okay, she either crossed this county road over to the east or she's, you know, dead somewhere in here. So started uh, kind of walking back towards where my dad had marked last blood. And uh, yeah, I probably walked, I don't know, 30 yards back towards my dad from like a different angle. And she was laying right there. So she probably made it like 40, 50 yards and we followed the blood like back to where he had marked last blood. And there were like a couple more little pin drops and um, yeah, a double, it was a double lung shot and didn't go far. Nice two and a half year old doe. And so that was neat to get one down before October 1st rolled around, had meat in the freezer. And uh, that was fun just again, like, you know, to be with family and to have them bring the quad out and we threw it on the quad and took her back to camp, hung her up and put a bag of ice in her. She was cool overnight and, um, been eating on her. And, uh, so yeah, that was, uh, that was the beginning of my season. That's how I kicked it off. Yeah. I've heard with those double lung shots with like a shotgun or a rifle or a muzzleloader or whatever. Um, my dad was telling me like most of the bleeding happens on the inside and it doesn't necessarily, you know you don't necessarily have a big blood trail to follow and i mean everyone's going to be different obviously but i we've shot a lot of deer with shotguns double lung like that and uh you know you get some hair but you don't get a lot of blood right at impact so it's good that you found her what was the temperature that weekend um well i don't know exactly like i said it was in the 50s and 60s but i think that day when i shot her it was probably 58 59 close to 60 so Luckily, where we hung her in the pole barn, like in the storage side, we keep like there's no wood. The the cabin is set up like it's split in half. And one side is like a living quarters with a wood stove and bunk beds and tables and couch and stuff. The other side, we it's cold over there because there's a yeah. wall and it's insulated. And so, you know, it's all concrete floor. So it stays really cool in there. We're hardly in there during the day. Keep the garage doors shut. So when we hung her up in there, like it was it was cold enough, like it was. You know, I mean, still to the point where I was like, do I need to like quarter her up right now? But I put ice in her and I was pretty confident that she'd be good overnight. Plus the temps were dropping. It was going to be cooler the next day. So, um, like I said, there was no spoilage. I mean, she was put that bag of ice in her cavity and in the morning her, you know, her hooves were cold. I mean, her whole body was very cold. So, yeah, yeah, that's good. That deer that I shot last year, it was like 65 degrees that day. And we were in the same boat. Like, should we do it that night? We ended up keeping them outside because, like, like you said, it dropped down to like the forties overnight. So we got kind of lucky. But that's good that uh, you know, you guys found her relatively quickly and got her cleaned up and hung up and all that. Mm-hmm. And like, I've heard with muzzleloaders too. Like, I don't know. I don't have enough experience with them. I've only had one for this is my third season. I've killed three deer with it, and like I said, I've gotten minimal blood. Now for me, like. When I've shot deer with a rifle, I mean, if double lung or whatever, like I usually have a massive blood trail and that's with a rifle. I've never shot a deer with a shotgun, so I can't speak on that. But um, yeah, it just seems to make it 
at least from my experience so far, a little bit more difficult, but we found her. So it's all good. Yeah. I, I think it's going to vary depending on like what you're shooting and stuff. Like my dad shoots slugs and he usually has a pretty decent size blood trail, but I was shooting back when I hunted with a shotgun, I was shooting like those Sabbath slugs and they were much smaller and they would almost go like right through them. And the deer didn't even know they were dead half the time. Right. There, would be, there would be like very little blood, just a little bit of hair. There was quite a few where I thought that I missed them and we ended up finding them. So yeah. And just zip right through them. Yeah. Um, do you want to move into October? Yeah. So, um, ended up going out October 1st and I was thinking, um, you know, I usually don't run trail cameras and I'll get into that the, a little bit further on. I ended up hanging quite a few this year and I'm glad I did, but, um, I did have a trail camera set up over the Oak Island, which if anyone's ever listened before, I talk about it in pretty much, I mean, damn near every single one of these episodes we've done, but it's a really reliable spot. It's just one of those perfect pinch points coming off a saddle near bedding areas. And this Oak Island is always producing acorns. Um, so I hung a camera there in uh, late July, I believe. And of course I thought I was going to be overseas. So I was just going to pull it when I got back around actually now I'd probably be getting home from overseas, but um, I did have a nice two or three year old buck on camera um, pretty consistently. So I was going to hold off for him or another buck. So I went out there October 1st and passed on two does. Um, neither one was, there was probably, it was probably a two and a half and a year and a half old that were coming through. I had a pile of other does coming through, uh, October 1st in the evening. I saw, um, those two, like the, there was a, a, you know, a group of two that were coming through pretty regularly. I saw them and passed on them, got some video of them. It was cool. Um, October 2nd rolled around and had a honey-do list. So we went, uh, did some furniture shopping. And then uh, my beloved girlfriend was like, you know, we finished doing that early. If you want to go hunting, you know, go hunting. So I was like, all right, well, I'll go out there. So I didn't really know what my plan was. Um, but I decided, you know what, I'm going to go to the Oak Island and I'm going to <laughs> shoot another doe. I, I just, I, I knew I had a bunch of stuff uh, coming up. We're moving into a new house. I was like, I'm not going to have as much time as I usually do to bow hunt this year. It's early in the season. I'm going to just get a second deer in the freezer if I can, and then focus like that way I can solely focus. Like I don't want to shoot another doe. I'm going to focus on shooting a nice buck. So went out there October 2nd and actually, um, our buddy Brandon wanted to go out while well, he had tested positive for COVID and he didn't really have any symptoms. I think he was like a, like a week, five days to a week past like, when he tested and his doctor told him he was good, but I was like, well, we're not riding up there together. We live pretty close. So we drove separate and he, uh, I think he went deerless last season. So I actually ended up kind of directing him. I'm like, you know what? Like you want to shoot something. I basically, I set up on the Oak Island and I kind of directed him to a spot where he could like cover another entry coming onto the Oak Island. And so like I was, uh, it's hard to explain it directionally without having a map to look at, but I was basically on like a little bit more to the right of how they enter the Oak Island and he was more to the left of how they enter. So long story short, um, we were supposed to get a bunch of nasty weather moving in like right at prime time. And I figured it was going to hunker the deer down. So it was either going to be boom or bust. We were either going to see, or I was either going to see 
a pile of deer if the rain, the heavy rain would hold off before dark or if it started pouring, then the deer would just hunker down. So anyway, I think it got dark around 735 was the end of legal shooting light and about 630, the rain had held off and I thought, okay, it's going to happen. Better get ready. And sure enough, um, had two doe come across the little funnel and I don't, I think Brandon might've seen them. I don't really know what happened, but, uh, they worked to my right and, uh, the lead doe, which was the bigger one got to my right and the wind was good, but she was kind of acting a little spooky looking my way. She had been in there for a while in an area where I couldn't shoot her. And she finally got to a spot where she was walking my way, kind of doing the whole, like, what is that thing up in that tree? You know? And Mm -hmm. so she kind of walked, I, you know, I had ranged this a few trees and I had one marked at 22 yards and she came through that gap just in front of that tree. And as she was walking into it, I drew and she was quartering too slightly. So I put the pin, you know, just kind of, you know, and I'm using a lot heavier arrow setup this year, probably 500, I think it's like 540 grains with most of it up front just to try it. Um, so I kind of put it like, pretty tight to the shoulder thinking even if I hit the shoulder I should blow through and let it rip and heard a big old pop I mean the loudest pop I ever heard like so I knew I smoked her and she turned and tucked tail and ran into the swamp I heard her going to the swamp and I was waiting to hear her crash and I'm like no 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 come on and I heard her keep going so at this point I already knew she covered you know 60 70 yards and she was still going so I was like well I know I killed her but this swamp is just nasty. It is just, I was hoping I'd just have a solid blood trail. Um, it was probably 15, probably 10 or 15 minutes later, I hear a bunch of ruckus and I'm like, well, I know Brandon's like not terribly far away. Um, not to the point where I could like hear his bow or anything, but I was like, that sounded like, you know, deer running off. I didn't know if he got, you know, blown or whatever, but all of a sudden I get a text and he's like, doe down. And I was like, okay, yeah, I think I got a doe down too. And he's like, well, he's like, I, I watched her fall. Like he smoked this big doe that was actually coming onto the Oak Island. And, uh, he pinwheeled her and she went like 40 yards and t- toppled over. So that was sweet. I was super pumped for him. And, um, I ended up, um, calling my buddy Joel to come out. I wasn't, we had that rain coming in. And I knew I could find my doe. I knew she was dead. I went into the swamp a little bit and I had, I would get like these huge pools of lung blood and then it would just go like completely void. Like I wouldn't get anything for like 15, 20 yards. This was even on the Island when I knew, like I knew exactly where she went, but I kept getting these like big sprays of blood and then I'd get like basically nothing. So when I got into the swamp, it got, it's hard to explain, but like, it's not like just cattails with deer trails, like deer could really, they're lower, like, like cattails and these deer could really go anywhere. And essentially I ended up calling Rob Miller, um, with the deer, you know, he's got a couple of great hounds that, um, you know, track, track wounded deer. And I called him and I basically told him like, Rob, you know, shot this doe and we're about to get a ton of rain. I know I can find this doe, but it might take hours. It's kind of warm out. It was like 65 that day. So, I asked him if he, he didn't, he didn't live too, he doesn't live too far away. And he agreed to come out. He's like, I won't charge you too much. He's like, I'll come out. 
He's like, do you think we can find her quick? Cause I got other people that really need me. I was like, yeah, I think it'll be a really quick track job. I just would rather find this deer and get her out of here. So Rob came out with his hounds and, um, once they got on the trail, it, it didn't take, I mean, that swamp is so nasty. They, they kind of were circling around a little bit, but yeah, she probably went another 40 yards from where I last had blood, but he even agreed. He's like, yeah, I can see what you mean. This could have taken you two hours to find her. I mean, cause it was just, there was no telling what way she went and the blood was just a ton of, like I said, a ton of blood and then like no blood, a ton of blood and no blood. So, um, we found her and got her out of there. And so, um, Brandon and I were both able to capitalize on does from around the Oak Island. And I had, uh, at that point, you know, come October 2nd, I had two, two deer in the freezer. So I pretty much told myself, all right, time to focus on housework and doing all the stuff I need to do. And then once we get a little bit later into October, I'll start kind of searching for searching for something to put on the wall. So that was my early season. Yeah. I mean, all in all mission accomplished, right? Like that's the primary reason to go out there. So you were definitely, you know, everything after that's kind of like gravy. You were definitely off to a hot start. Yeah. I mean, I had hunted twice and I had two deer on the ground. So one with the, (laughs) one with the smoke pole and one with the bow. So that was awesome. And the, the arrow, those heavy arrows, man, I tell you, I don't, I did not hit the shoulder. So it was complete pass through double long, but I was looking for my arrow forever. And I'm like, I can't find it anywhere. And it had blown through her and had stuck into a tree, the same tree that I had actually ranged at 22 yards, and it was, like, buried into that tree. It took everything I had. took quite a while to get that arrow out. But um, So I can't say for sure that the heavier arrow did the trick necessarily, but it, uh, it's definitely a confidence booster for sure. Yeah. Nice, man. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go a little quicker because I don't have, like, too much too much action so to speak like i didn't i didn't release any arrows during october but so we started at uh the family farm with my dad opening weekend and i remember kind of talking with you a little bit about what what my plan was going to be and we we kind of narrowed down the back edge of that property because the wind was going to be blowing from the south which is the road toward the back edge so I was going to sit somewhere around along that north edge. And then there was a cornfield right to the west. So I went basically right back um, the very back left corner of the property and found this tiny little tree that was probably about the size of my leg to uh, hang a stand in. And uh, I think I might have mentioned it where I bought that that lone wolf hang on stand over the summer, which was sweet. Like it's probably the best thing that I bought bow hunting wise so far because I can just I, I get to sit down which i feel more comfortable shooting sitting down and it lets me basically be more mobile and get into a lot of different trees um so i did have to do a little bit of cutting to get up in this tree but i eventually got up in it and ended up sitting there all weekend because the wind never switched so um it worked out pretty good and that cornfield was was money like that was the whole reason that i saw as many deer as i did Passed on a couple of four points that weekend. Uh, saw a lot of does and I think a few fawns with the does. Like we have like these four does that four or five does every year that just kind of hang out on the property. We call them like the resident does. And I almost don't want to shoot them because they're like, they're that deer that are always going to be there. Um, my dad's like, don't go shooting those does. Cause they're, you know, they're, that's the mother of my, 
year and a half year old buck that I'm going to shoot next year. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so no, no real excitement opening weekend. And then we did uh, me and a couple of buddies. We did the we call it like our bow camp or whatever over uh, kind of by my house at his grandma's house. We did that October 18th weekend. And I remember sending you some trail cam pictures that we got over there of just some, some really nice bucks. Um, and they were using that property as like a transition from that old golf course property. They would cut through this guy's grandma's and then they would go out to the ag fields from there. And uh, he had one or two really nice eight points, probably, uh, probably three-year-olds um, just looking at them. But uh, one was really wide and the other one was really tall. Just really cool looking bucks. And uh, Day, Daytime pictures too, a lot of them, right? They were Yeah, anywhere from like 7 in the morning to like 4.30 in the afternoon, which is like perfect. You know, that's the time that you would be right. out there. And uh, so we, we were planning to hunt Friday, Saturday, Sunday that weekend. And Friday we got rained out it was kind of a bust i mean we did go out but we ended up getting poured on so we bailed on that one and then saturday was a lot colder and i think i saw a four point in the morning and then that afternoon um i was set up kind of in the near the near the road a little bit this property is pretty small it's only like 22 acres and there was three of us out there so we had to be a little bit strategic of where we were but i was set up kind of by the road and then there's a swamp that borders this old golf course property and there's a lot of worn down trails where they come off that golf course into this guy's property and uh right by the swamp happened to be one of those like little pinch trails so i was set up off of that and um this would have been saturday afternoon and i heard this doe coming through to my left um probably about 30 yards away she was coming from the road and you know, I got ready because I, I saw a deer and then uh, all of a sudden I see this rack just kind of, he, it wasn't quite the rut yet, but it, it was like, I guess you'd call it like pre-rut where they're still kind of like following the does, you know, he had his head down to the ground <clears throat> working away. And the closest that he got to me was about 40 yards, but they were on, you know, they were kind of, uh, they were moving. They weren't stopping. So I grunted a couple times and then he did that move that like textbook mature buck move where they circle around behind you. And he was basically straight behind my tree at about 45 yards and just staring at me. And I was, I could use the tree as like a, a block between me and him. So he couldn't see me. And I was just peeking around the tree and I was basically making eye contact with him and he's facing me at 45 yards and he would not come any closer. And my wind was good. It was blowing down into the swamp. So I know he couldn't smell me, but I think like he heard that grunt noise and he was basically circling downwind trying to figure out where it came from and he didn't see another deer there. And I think that's kind of what screwed me because he just, uh, he didn't like bust out of there, but he just kind of turned around tail never went up, but he just kind of sauntered off over the driveway. Didn't end up walking by either of the other guys just moved off the property. I don't exactly know where he went, but never did see him again. It was just this real tall 
Um, real tall eight point. And I think he was one of the ones that we got on camera. And I, like I said, he never came within 45 yards, but it was just really cool to see, you know, that was probably the biggest buck I've ever seen while I was bow hunting up till that point. So, um, that's pretty good for only doing it for this being your second year. Right. And this was the first year using that, that stand where I can carry it in and out on my back. And that, that would, that ended up being huge. I mean, I'll talk about it more later, but cause you can see where the deer, you can see where the the action is and then you can make moves on it. And it sucks that I only get to hunt for like a weekend at a time. Cause if I had more time, I could make more moves and get more precise with everything. Um, but it's better than nothing. And then, uh, I ended up going back to that same property the morning of Halloween and it was probably nine 30 or so that morning that about that point where you start deciding how much longer you're going to sit. And, uh, I heard some, I was, I was kind of in the same spot up by the road and I heard some rustling over to my left again. Uh, this time it was coming from behind me heading out toward the road and I see a tail flick and it was a doe's tail. And then I see another little rack. So I grunted at him. That's that's kind of like my default move. I just try to grunt, try to stop him. <laughs> Whether it works or not. <laughs> I, I know for a fact that there's been times where that's kind of hurt me. But at, in this moment, anyway, this, this deer, what it ended up being, it was a young buck. It was like a six-point, uh, two-year-old. But I grunted at him, and he broke off that doe, and he circled around in front of me. And it was textbook, dude. Like he was 25 yards in front of me, um, working his way back down the hill. And then he would have been heading out toward the lake, which is where my buddy's stand is. Uh, it's his grandma's property. And that's the guy that I was hunting with. So I, this was probably the closest that I came to shooting a deer this year. Cause I was, I was ready. I never did draw back on him. Um, but it was a nice little six. Like he was, he, he was like a little wide, um, just typical six point. But like I said, I was, you know, my, my goal going into the year was to shoot a more mature deer than the one I shot last year. And I really didn't want to shoot another year and a half, two year old buck. Um, but if I, if I am being honest, if I regret one, moment from this season it was probably not shooting that deer on the morning of halloween just because uh he was bigger than the one i shot last year but he was still a two-year-old and the thing that that kind of got to me was the way that i the direction that i saw him going because i knew he was going to work back by my buddy and my buddy's never shot a deer before and it's his property and i just kind of felt like maybe there was a chance that he would walk by him he ended up walking by him but it was at like 60 yards so it was too far. Um, and it was, he must have like weaseled his way off the property um, because he walked by him on that golf course, on that neighboring property. So he wasn't really even technically on that dude's land anymore, which kind of sucks. Right. But uh, yeah, he never got in close enough. But it was kind of in my head at the time, I was like, yeah, he's going to walk right by him. You know, I, I texted him, like, get ready. Here he comes. So he was ready. Yeah. Um, it just didn't quite work out. Yeah. Well, that's October, I mean, man. Yeah. I mean, 
like you said, you might regret that now. And I feel like I have a lot of those like regrets from especially yeah. when I was younger and just like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to hold off for, you know, the, a bigger one and you can kick yourself all you want. But I mean, you know, the only way they're going to get older and bigger is by people letting them go and letting them grow. And I know there's yeah. a lot of people that a lot of people, well, the neighbor's going to shoot them or whatever. It's like, I mean, they're sometimes deer are dumb, but they're not that dumb where, you know, if they leave you, they're not going to go necessarily to the next guy over and he's going to shoot them. So, I mean, props yeah. to you. I mean, for what it's worth. Yeah. And I've, you know, I've been saying that for a while. My dad's always said that. I think it kind of got passed down, like the the whole neighbor's going to shoot him thing. But if you think about it, like if you shoot it, then the neighbor doesn't even have a chance to shoot it because it's already dead. So it's like, you know, you're you're going to end it now if you're going to take him. But I just kept saying, stick stick to the plan. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it was my own property, maybe I would have shot him. But there was something something about you know if i was going to shoot a deer out there i wanted it to be uh something that i viewed as you know bigger older i don't really care about horns at all or antlers at all i just care about the age sure that's fair so then after that do you want me to move into november yeah man i want to hear this story yeah get into uh, all right get into the november hunt yeah, so that, that last hunt that I talked about was Halloween. So the next weekend would have been the first weekend of November, which is going to be on my calendar for the next however long. Because it's, from my experience, it's the best weekend to bow hunt, um, at least on our farm. And that's where we were. We, me and my dad went back up to, to our family farm. Uh, my uncle was with us. My uncle doesn't hunt but he's always kind of been around. He did, he went through hunter safety with his son. My cousin doesn't hunt anymore either, but uh, they both went through hunter safety. He's just never really been interested in being the one holding the gun or holding the bow or whatever, but he's still down to go um, be a part of everything, which is cool. Um, and he's, he's been in the family for over 30 years now. And what's crazy is like, he had never seen us kill a deer before. Uh, so anyways, like, these, guys, these guys suck. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was always like he would leave and then we'd shoot one the next day oh. or he would, you know, he was just wrong, wrong place at the wrong time or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's November 5th and I think that's a Friday. That was a Friday. I had ducked out of work half day and shot up there. I- I'm sitting back in that same tree. Um, I didn't leave my stand in it, but I, I was able to get up there rather quickly this time because I'd already been, I had already trimmed it up and I, I knew exactly where I was going and what I was going to do. So it's like, it's four fifteen or so in the afternoon. I just got set up. Uh, the sun is still like right in my face. It's 60 degrees or so. And, uh, you know, at this point, you're just like hanging your gear on the tree, um, taking the binoculars out, looking around, seeing kind of what's going on. And I get a text at 430 and it's from my dad. <clears throat> and he goes, just shot a small buck. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I, I honestly thought he was joking around because it was so early. Um, and, and the thing is, I went out before those guys. So I probably left the house a half hour before they did because, you know, 
for better or worse, I usually, I've been trying to take the long way in, um, make sure that I, that my access makes sense, that I'm not just walking the easiest route just to get there quicker. Um, so yeah, anyway, I was like, are you, I basically, I just said, are you kidding me? Um, I, I, my exact words were, are you shitting me? (laughs) And, uh, so, so then he, then he calls me and I'm like, oh, okay. So I answer it. He's like, yeah, I just, I just shot this little buck. Um, and let me think. So he, I was like, okay, you know, did, where did he go? Did you see him fall? And he goes, no, I didn't see him fall. But, uh, Christopher, who's my uncle, he's like, yeah, he said, I smoked him. He saw the whole thing right over my shoulder. I was like, okay. So I was like, you know, just let's give it a while and, uh, you know, get down and maybe go see if you can find your bolt, see if you can check out the spot, um, you know, give it an hour or so, but let me, let me back up a little bit. So what happened, which I found out later, like the full story, they got in the blind and they were in the blind for like six minutes. And, uh, (laughs) he said like, (laughs) I don't know why my dad uses it, but he uses freaking, uh, that, that coon urine spray, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I've never heard of it, but yeah. Dude, he uses, uh, I don't know if it's synthetic or if it's real, but he uses freaking coon urine and he sprays it in his windows and is blind and it smells like ass because it's just coon piss. And yeah, uh, right. it smells like coon piss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's got that sprayed out. And then <laughs> he's like, yeah, so I just got the coon piss out. And, uh, you know, I let out a, a couple of grunts for whatever reason. <laughs> I don't know if he's just like showing off for my uncle or what. Oh, and he's like, great. He's like, I put my call down. I, I'm just sitting there, you know, we're basically they're just bullshitting because they, you know, they're not hardcore into it. They're just out there to have a good time or whatever. And, and your uh, dad and your and correct me if I'm wrong, this is your dad's like second season with a crossbow. Like he never bow hunted or anything. So No, he never bow hunted. Yeah. Nobody in my family really bow hunted. Yeah, he bought that crossbow last year because I was gonna get back into bow hunting. And right. uh he was just kind of tagging along. Dude, this was probably his fifth hunt with a crossbow. Like he never, I don't know. He didn't put much, much stock into it or much time into it. Just kind of something to do. Um, so he, he, they're out there for five minutes and he said he saw these does come out from the hayfield behind us and kind of cut across. So he gets ready. And, uh, I think he was, he might've even been planning on shooting one of these does. I don't know. But then he said that my uncle tapped him on the leg and he looked at him and he said his eyes were just like popping out of his head. <laughs> he's looking out the other window and uh, he's like, there's a buck, there's a buck. And uh, m- neither of them can hear very well. So I'm sure it was just ridiculous experience. And uh, my dad looks over and sure enough, there's this little buck and he's standing at like 20 yards and uh, he's in the trail right out one of the windows of the blind. So, so my dad gets his crossbow up, bonks it on the window. Of course, it makes like a, a loud ass noise. Oh, yeah. And because uh, he's got I think he's got the quiver still attached to it. So it's way bigger than it needs to be. And, he's, you know, it's it's just a it's a big, bulky piece of equipment anyway. And uh, so he finally gets it up in the window. And th- I, I think at this point he was telling me that the deer had turned like a full 180 still broadside but he was about to like he wasn't sticking around he was about to go back out the way he came which would have been uh this just empty wheat field to the to the east 
And uh, so anyway, he, he puts his little scope, his crossbow scope on him. And he said he just kind of picked a dot between the 20 and the 30 and let it rip. <laughs> and uh, let, it rip. let it rip. And he said that, you know, he was the one doing the doing the shooting. So he he figured that he nailed him just based on how close the deer was and which particular dots he'd picked. But he said he looked at my uncle and my uncle's like, dude, you and smoked him. Like, and it turns out that the deer was uh, slightly quartering away. And it went in right through the vitals and then it hit the right shoulder as it was coming out. So it with the impact from the from that bolt going through and then hitting the shoulder, it knocked the deer like a foot and a half sideways. Like he like jumped sideways from that impact on that shoulder. And it still went clean through him because I mean those things shoot like four hundred feet per second. Um and so it went, you know, it went through him and it it ended up being buried in the grass and then the deer takes off. He's still on our property, but he, he got to a point probably 50 yards away where they couldn't see him anymore. Uh, he was in some thick stuff. So he calls me and this, yeah. That, so that was a shot that he calls me and I'm like, okay, you know, let's give it a while. And he gave it an hour or so. And uh, he's like, I was like, do you want me to come down and we can all go try to find it? He's like, no, don't worry about it. Just keep hunting. I was like, all right, cool. You know, I'll stay here and we'll go figure it out at dark. And then, so he, he gave it an hour and then he calls me again and he's like, dude, there's no blood. There's no hair. I swear I smoked this thing. I, I'm not seeing really any evidence of it. And I was like, at this point, I'm like, damn, dude, what are we going to, you know, what do we do? And, uh, you know, I, I was thinking like, okay, well, you will call one of those tracker guys, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, nah, dude, it, it was a, it's a year and a half year old little scatling buck. Like, we'll we'll figure it out on our own. Um, he basically didn't want to spend any money on it that he didn't have that's, to. That's what that's what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, I I think it, you know it was a good shot. He was pretty confident that he would find it. I just think not having shot one with a crossbow before and seeing the results like we figured because the deer that i shot the year before there was tons of blood but it could have just been what you know what broadhead i was using all that kind of stuff so anyway it's still five o'clock at this point so it's still plenty light out and uh they just decided to do like kind of a little grid search and they went to the point where they last saw him went another 20 yards right down the trail and sure enough like he's it, it's not a exciting story like he was laying right there <laughs> there he um, is yeah so then he's like okay i found him and at that point like i'm relieved and i'm like okay cool like i'm gonna go back to hunting now and the, the rest of the story they get them all cleaned up you know take them up to the house and uh his hunting is <laughs> pretty much done for bow season at that point um right so i was still out there and around maybe six o'clock this was before the time change so it was still a lighter for a little bit longer so around six o'clock i heard something bust uh busting through the corn and i look over and all i remember seeing was um this really tall white like pure white rack um and he was raking a tree uh right on the fence row that separates our property from the cornfield which is probably 40 ish yards away from my stand. 
And it was like I told you before, the buck that I saw the October 18th weekend was the biggest buck that I had seen bow hunting up till that point. Sure. Only until I saw this one, because this was the biggest and oldest buck that I've, I've seen hunting, I period. I, I don't think I ever heard about this. I might have texted you, but there was a lot going on because it was the same day that my dad shot his. So I was probably more focused on that. Mm. Um, but so he's raking a tree and I'm trying to figure out uh, if he's going to come onto our property or not. And he ended up turning to go to the north, which would have been uh, not in our direction. He would have needed to come east to, to get on our property, but he went north. And at this point, he's basically parallel with the fence row heading away from us, uh, heading toward the field to our north. And uh, I, so, of course, I grunted at him because what else are you going to do? <laughs> what Bobo? Bobo with the grunt but, ball. <laughs> this time, I really... I really waited till the last minute. Like I, I could tell he was leaving and I grunted at him and he did stop and he looked in my direction, but he was never on our property. And he, he ended up just kind of working his way off. And I think he even went back further West and there's some like apple trees and stuff down the fence road by the corn. And he never did come on our property and I never did see him again. Never had any trail camera pictures of him or anything like that. It was just a random, like, first weekend in november buck and it's definitely one where i would say like yeah you know i i might regret not taking a pop at that but number one he was on our property he was not on our property and number two um well real quick we do know the neighbors so it's like if he would have ran on that property after i shot him it's no big deal but mm -hmm. i don't know you know there's karma it's all karma dude but um Number two, I thought that he was outside of what I felt comfortable shooting at the time. And when I did range it later, it was 38, which is pretty dang far. I know I, I shot that one last year at like 36, but I was sitting down and I was totally solid. Like right. this was, you, you this all happened so were, fast. Yeah. You were waiting on that, that exact shot. So you were tuned into it. Yeah. How big, so like how big was he? Like what, what kind of caliber gear was it? You talking like inches or like body size? I mean, I mean, not even. No, I mean like rack. Yeah, I mean body size, rack wise. Like, was he like a absolute like hammer, or was he just like a you know like it, you know? Obviously, he was big, but like just give yeah. us give us some kind of idea. Inches, I would say nothing crazy. Like maybe one twenty, one thirty, but it was like a real thick like white uh, rack. But the body, it was probably it was probably a four year old just based on like the body and then the he didn't have a lot of gray in his face like an older buck would he still had kind of a younger buck's face but he was already so swollen up at that point on like the, the first weekend in november that he just looked massive and so it was mostly like the body um you know the the rack wasn't anything too crazy yeah, but I mean, either a 120, 130, that's a, that's a respectable deer, no matter where, or what you're yeah. trying to hunt in Michigan. And I mean, he probably just didn't have gray hairs because he, you know, probably just stress-free life, didn't have any kids running around or anything. <laughs> probably. Who but knows? I mean, we've got deer, we've got deer on our wall that are smaller than him. And, uh, 
it would have been my biggest buck easy and it would have competed with some of the ones that we have on the wall for sure. Yeah. But like I said, man, never did see him again. There's just, that seems to happen quite a bit up there. Uh, There's just so much farmland and it's all, you know, there's easy ways for the deer to move about it without ever even being seen. There's all these ditches and stuff that they just can travel through. Um, so you, you get random deer like that that show up all the time and you see them once and you never see them again. But it well, was it really cool like, to actually be hunting and see one. It seems like a really good transition property. Just having, you know, you having shown it to me on a map, it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that it's a perfect property for that time of year when you just get a, a cruiser that's just looking for a hot doe and, you mm-hmm. know, you're surrounded by farm fields and you got this nice little chunk of bedding area, you know, woodlot with, like you said, those drainages and just, you know perfect spot for a buck to find a way to maneuver through just to check for check for a hot doe so yeah makes sense there was all kinds of like that's the probably the first time that i've really seen that kind of rutting activity while i've been hunting because like in that field that i was sitting over right next to that cornfield there was a time where i one of those nights where i had like six or seven deer in the field and they were just going nuts like the does were just running in circles these little bucks just chasing them um i i had a handful of times where i could have shot one of those four points if i wanted to but uh this isn't this isn't the 20 this isn't the 2020 bob we're talking about no this guy is seasoned now this guy's a seasoned archer but it was sweet man like that's that it's hard to describe it to somebody who's never seen it but when you see the deer out there just going you know just being wild doing deer stuff in the middle of the rut it's it's really exciting hunting and it's really fun to just be out there for. There was uh, a couple times where I think it was that Friday and that Saturday night that I didn't even climb down till like 7 30, 8 o'clock at night because I just didn't want to blow these deer out because they were still out there, even though I couldn't, you know, the shooting light was well gone by then. But I waited almost an extra half hour, 45 minutes just to uh, be less of a disturbance right that's smart though yeah and i did see deer every sit that weekend i went like not to brag or anything but i went like 10 sits in a row seeing deer every time that's that's a success man that's freaking awesome that's what we're out there for i mean you're out there to enjoy the great outdoors and all that corny stuff but at the end of the day you know we're not gonna lie it's great to see deer and if you're seeing deer it's it makes it that much more enjoyable. So, I mean, yeah, you may not have shot one with your bow this year. Fine, whatever. You still, you had opportunities. You very well could have. I mean, you're in the small percentile of people who, you know, passed up on quite a few deer, you know, even does. I mean, heck, mm-hmm. I shot a doe October 2nd and I already had one in the freezer. So good on you. Yeah. You know, that's a successful season. Yeah, there was a time, I think I was telling my buddy Nate about it, that we saw, we saw way more year and a half year old bucks than we saw does this year which i think contributed to why i didn't shoot one i just i don't know felt like every single time i could go out there and i could i could sit and i could see a year and a half year old buck if i wanted to <laughs> which was which was cool but it just wasn't what i was after and then to kind of wrap up that whole weekend um we didn't find my dad's uh i guess the crossbow bolt we couldn't find it but last weekend over Thanksgiving when I was up there gun hunting, all the grass was knocked down because there was snow and it was frozen. 
and I ended up taking one last peek over where we thought that it was and ended up finding it like two feet off the trail and brought That's it up awesome. to him. And he was stoked about that. So, well, how, yeah, how stoked was he for, for somebody who's hunted for a long time and always done firearm and probably shot, you know, he shot a handful of deer for him yeah. to shoot one, his first deer with a crossbow. I, I don't know how old he is. I'm assuming he's around my dad's age, you know, kind of yeah. a little bit older, senior citizen anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, was he like super fired up about shooting that deer? I mean, yeah, it was a year and a half old buck, but whatever. I mean, he shot his first deer with archery equipment. Was that like, could you tell he was like super pumped up about it? Yeah. I mean, it was definitely more special than if he would have shot a year and a half year old with his shotgun, like later in the year or whatever. But, um, he was, he was impressed with what the crossbow could do. Like, he's just like, man, that thing is nasty. And I've been saying that ever since he bought it, like, those things scare me, man. Like, keep that thing away from me. It's nasty. It'll kill you. <laughs> don't point don't point that thing at me. <laughs> yeah. But to be honest with you, the person who was most fired up was my uncle. Because he had never been a part of it before. Um, and he'd never cool. seen us actually kill one before. And I'll bet you that he's told that story to like everybody that he meets for the past month. That's awesome. He, he was really, really excited cool. about it. So I think my dad was excited that my uncle was there for it and uh just to i don't know make those memories and be able to share that story heck yeah man that's awesome so that was my november man i mean i'm not going to talk about the gun season it wasn't very exciting i i will say that i need to pick better days off next year i need to focus on uh either opening day or or the first weekend because thanksgiving is kind of a dead zone up there yeah, well, well, let's talk about, uh, we'll talk about, I mean, mine's kind of the same story with firearm. I don't get into it a whole lot, but um, I mean, I don't know if you just kind of covered it all as far as like learning, you know, everything from this bow season specifically, you know, the successes and failures you had, you kind of covered that, but like, you know, did you try anything new? Obviously this was your first time really hunting with a mobile setup, which is new for you. Um, and you did you know, you hunted some new places, first time hunting on public land. Um, do you want to, I don't know if you covered all of that, but as far as hunting on public land, you did, you did a decent amount this year and you, you had some good activity doing that, right? Yeah. I think we, we being me in the mobile stand, I think we, we had like five or six public land sits. Um, the very first one that I did was opening weekend on the Sunday. I had gotten back home from the farm and my family wasn't quite home yet, so I decided to sneak out and hunt that night. And I had a, I was hunting in a place where the the guy that I was with, my buddy, he had scouted it before, so he kind of told me a general area of where to go and what to look for. So I set up on this trail, and the wind was good, and I had a doe and two fawns coming within like thirty yards. Uh, I probably could have shot her, but. I have kind of like this thing where I don't shoot those that have fawns with them. Um, and then let's see. Good for you. Cause I don't always have those feelings. <laughs> well, if the freezer's empty, the feelings might be a little different. Yeah. Oh, that's another thing. Like me and my dad, we share the deer meat. So like him shooting that buck kind of took a lot of the pressure off of me, which was cool. Yeah. That's and, nice because I still had some from last year. But anyways, um, the one interesting story 
from the public was that I was hunting. Shoot, I don't even remember which day it was. It was the, the I think it was the first real cold front in October because I remember we woke up and it was like 30 degrees that day and it had been like 50s the week before. So we went out on like a Saturday morning and I got set up in this tree and I had another year and a half year old four point come in at 20 yards or so. And then it's like probably 10 30 that morning and I heard some cracking in the brush behind me. So I get ready. Uh, I clip on my release and everything. And then I look back and it's a dude with a tree stand and sticks on his back. And uh, that, that's when I knew that I was on the public land. It was probably me. <laughs> yeah, I just little, waved at him. Little, oh, sorry. Did you grunt at him? <laughs> no, maybe a yeah. maybe a grunt of disgust. Yeah. Oh, that'll happen. Right. I mean, can't tell you how many times that's happened to me in the past, but yeah, part of the I'm game. sure it's I'm sure it's very very common. But uh, yeah, this was just the first time that it ever happened to me. That's the goal, though, in public land. It's like you know you're doing better if year after year after year you are see, you're running into less and less people. I feel like, you know, yeah. usually yeah. that correlates with seeing more and more deer or better quality deer. Yeah. In that particular day, I was, I mean, I was not in a difficult spot at all. I was just in a spot that made sense for the wind and sure. and the uh, cold temperatures and stuff. But I knew that I was within walking distance of a parking lot pretty easy and and this guy had come from over the road so it wasn't yeah. too shocking to see somebody else but it was cool to hunt new places i don't hunt a lot of hardwoods uh kind of grew up hunting the ag country my whole life so really tree stand hunting in general is still pretty new to me i've only been doing it for two years but that lone wolf stand i i can't say enough about it it's been great like i know you guys love your saddles and i'm sure i'll try one someday but for now being able to get into just about any tree that i want and still be able to shoot sitting down if i want to that's been kind of my preference so it's been yeah it's been awesome so far i do love the saddle and i will now that i have a saddle and i'm like you know i love spending money on deer i'm thinking like uh there's a huge part of me that wants to get like a lightweight, either lone wolf, like the 0.5 or like a assault or something just for like those long, like the all day sits or something. Cause I will say like a saddle sitting in a saddle all day. I don't care what anybody says. Like it's not as comfortable as if you have a nice lightweight hang on. So, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, if you know an area, you know, you have some like preset areas where you've scouted and you've done some, you know, you, you you have preset trees that you might hunt and you find hot sign there it's nice sometimes to have one of those hang-ons that you can just get up there and and sit so i mean you know i love the saddle it's super lightweight um but definitely nothing against nothing against a, a good lightweight hang-on for sure yeah like you were saying that one tree that i was hunting by that cornfield it was just in such a good spot that i knew i was going to keep reusing it so I, when i was up there for the weekend or whatever as long as the wind was right, I would leave it. You know, I'd go back there, set it up Friday night, and then I'd take it down Sunday morning when I left. But it makes it so easy to just get in and out in the dark and be quiet. And I don't know. Right. I just stepped outside and it's raining. So sorry if there's a little background noise. How are we doing on time? I feel like we're, um, I don't know exactly when we started recording, but we're probably pushing time a little bit here, huh? 
Yeah, we're getting close to the hour mark, but okay. we don't have a whole lot left. Well, we've probably got more than more than we think the way that we like to ramble on. So, um, <laughs> I don't know. I was going to jump into our next little bullet point here. If you're, uh, if you're all good, which was, you know, well, I guess you kind of just covered like your, your entire bow season specifically in success and failures. Um, you got anything else to add? And I'll, I'll just give my two cents real quick. No, go ahead. All right. Well, I'm just going to, since I shot that doe on October 2nd, like I said, I, I kind of took a, a little hiatus for probably, probably the longest I've gone during bow season without going out hunting. Um, I, so I had actually set, uh, like I said, I was supposed to be overseas. So I set a, quite a few trail cameras thinking I'd be overseas and I would just basically collect Intel for next year. So I set a couple cameras on this piece of public land that I thought based off of what I had seen in previous years, got absolutely hammered by hunters. Um, I went as far back to this creek edge as I could, and I hung some cameras, and I thought, even though I'm in some really nasty stuff, I have a feeling I'm not going to get much intel off this, but it was one of those places I wanted to, like, officially cross off, like, the list, because, you know, on the other side of this creek, I know there is good hunting. I have seen good buck beds on the edge of this creek when scouting in the off-season, but I also am always trying to, like, not encroach where other people are are hunting, right? So hung these cameras so come like october whatever it was 15th or you know 16th or whatever i go in because i had some time off to hunt again and i'm like you know what? i'm gonna I'm, it's raining i'm gonna go check these cards i'm just gonna check them and see if i have anything decent on these cameras and because again i was gonna let them soak all season but i didn't have to do that now so i go check them and on both cameras which are kind of in line on this big long funnel um it's hard to explain but i ended up getting pictures of i think nine different bucks and on one of the cameras and then on um on one specific camera yeah i got nine bucks and one of them which was the first one i pulled i had a mature nine point like a biggest buck i've gotten on camera um on public land and that doesn't say a whole lot i'm not gonna lie it's probably you know probably not even 130 inches but either i'm not trying to downplay it still a really nice buck um i go and check the other camera which i thought would have less deer or less you know lower quality of deer because of just its proximity to where i figured other hunters would be around and i only had two bucks on that camera but it was that same nine point and another nine point which was bigger and older and I had consecutive pictures of them in the morning hours and multiple pictures of them, um, but actually multiple pictures of one of them during shooting light. And this is October, you know, pictures on October 8th, 10th, 11th, you know, 13th in shooting light. I actually come to find out um, the morning I went in there, the day I went in there and pulled that camera, it was pouring rain. And I have a picture of this big nine point in there at like, nine i think he was like 9 10 a.m and he was walking off and then you can see me walking into the frame at like 9 42. so hmm. you know had i gone and just randomly thought i'm gonna go sit over the you know of course if sputs and hickory nuts right i mean but that really nice buck um was in there i like i said i got tons of daylight pictures so all of a sudden i get this intel that there's these two 
really nice bucks. One of them has brow tines. That's he's, I mean, I'd say he's at least a four year old, um, possibly five. I mean, just big, massive body, saggy belly, you know, swaying back, um, pretty thick, super wide. His, his brow tines are probably anywhere from seven to nine inches. Easy. Um, could be more, not sure. I've gotten a bunch of different pictures. I can't tell. Anyway, I ended up going in there, I think the next morning after I pulled those cards and, uh, I set up, which, you know, I generally, even when I set trail cameras, I never do, but I'm like, I'm, I'm hunting over this camera tomorrow morning. It had rained that whole day. So I didn't think I boogered anything up going there the next morning, set up. Um, I'm just because we're limited on time. I'm not going to go over the whole setup, but it was a, it's just like a perfect entry. It's like, okay, I can just hug this other little like pothole swamp bottom where I know deer, I mean, they can't walk through it's head high. Um, but it's a pinch between this little pothole and the actual swamp where I figured, and I know from the past deer bed. So get in there, get two sticks high set up. I'm probably 15 yards from this trail camera where I just pulled the card and the rain had stopped. It was just one of those perfect mornings, a little bit cooler temperatures for mid October. Um, I don't know exactly what day it was, 16th, 17th. Um, and I'm I've set up there, I don't know, probably 45 minutes to an hour before daylight. And as we're getting close to legal shooting light, I hear a distinct just walking towards me from the same direction that I had these bucks coming in from every morning, most mornings. And I'm like, Oh, he's just got to slow down and I need a little bit more daylight Hmm. and he's coming right. The wind's good. Wind's good. And it's pretty steady. I'm like, either way, he's like, he's hugging this little pothole. He's, he's going to cross my trail. And I'm thinking, well, the jig's up no matter what. And it's not light enough. He ends up long story short, getting, I mean, it's so loud. It's, you know, the wind's decent, but it's so loud. He's just like a buck does just, he's on a mission. He's not zigzagging. He's just going from A to B. And all of a sudden I can tell him like, he's right under me. He's going to cross my path at like five yards. Like he's right here. And I'm only two sticks high. Right. So I'm 10, 12, 13 feet off the ground. And as he crosses my trail, he never stopped and smelled it, smelt anything. Of course, it had just been raining, so I don't know if that helped me or whatever. And I have it's it's like, I mean, we're probably three to five minutes before legal shooting light, and I have to like use my peripherals to see his body. And I'm just like, as he crosses this where I walked in on, he's probably five yards from me, and I just see this big body. And then I use my peripherals and I just see this cage just walking out towards this little tiny open pocket where my trail camera set probably 12 yards from me, 15 yards from me. And he just walks right through, doesn't stop to smell anything, just walks through. And I just see this white cage, you know, I don't know which one it was of the two. Um, I called the one with the really long brow tines. I never, I mean, never really had deer to put a name tag on because I don't really hunt deer specifically but this thing had super tall brow tines my buddy dave was like oh look at those field goal posts you should call him matt prater that's you know field goal post detroit lions blah 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 so i was like yeah i'm gonna call him prater um anyway i don't know if it was that one or the other one both solid you know mature nine nine pointers um and i don't know which one it was but he went out there milled around um 
I don't know if the wind swirled or whatever. He was out there for a while. I heard him raking. There was a scrape out there. I heard him kind of rustling around. He might have raked some some brush out there. I have a ton of awesome trail camera pictures of these two bucks out there. Um, he ended up kind of jumping off. And, you know, I'm assuming he might have caught wind of something. But that was super cool. I mean, that's the closest encounter that I've had with, a, you know, with a more mature deer. Um I do think that these two respective bucks are either three and a half and four and a half or four and five. Um, the one with the tall brow tines, it, it is definitely older. Um, but yeah, I, I left both the cameras out there and let them soak. I ended up bouncing around this parcel a bunch and just hitting it from different angles, depending on the wind, found a couple of huge community scrapes in areas that I never would have hunted and um some signpost rubs that were just torn up from all angles uh this i had to across the beaver dam coming in from a different angle um to do an evening hunt because i had no pictures in this particular area where these two cameras were i had no evening pictures of those two bucks or really any other bucks so uh later on in october probably the 22nd 23rd i uh came in from a different angle for an evening set and found this huge signpost rub just torn up it looked like you know it just one of the biggest rubs i've seen on on public land or anywhere um accompanied by this you know freaking car door size scrape that was dug down you know just i knew that it was hot and everything about the setup seemed perfect i set up there a stick and a half high i was in this big tangle of vines was not very high a lot of people probably would have called me crazy but it was i had a swamp to my back and it was a perfect pinch point. It wasn't very far away from where I pretty much can guarantee these these two bucks were betting most of the time. A little bit further away than I wanted. I set up there. I, I ended up having, shortly after I set up, uh, about an hour, hour and a half uh, before dark, I had four does work by me within 15 yards, go to that scrape. And then I heard grunting. And I'm like, is that Bob? I don't know. <laughs> I hope not. That guy likes to grunt a lot. And, yeah. So I'm like, oh, come on, be, be one of these, you know, cause I, at this point I'm like, I got two deer in the freezer. I'm not shooting anything unless it's one of these nine pointers. Like the, yeah. these are both really nice bucks, like really nice bucks. And so I was dead set on like, I'm, I'm not shooting anything except for if it's one of those. Cause like I said, I had an inventory on seven other bucks in that area. And sure enough, it's one of the other bucks that I had on camera and he was kind of hobbling along, um, two and a half year old i think he was you know should have been a six i think he had a busted off brow or something um but he he crossed through i mean all these deer i had five deer including this buck crossed through within 15 yards maybe 10 yards and although they they would peek up and look at me and i'm only like eight feet off the ground it's just the cover was so perfect they didn't think twice about it they never spooked i could have shot every single one of these deer within eight yards or whatever 10 yards and it was just I don't know. There's a lot of people who are like, I would never hunt, you know, one stick high. That's just silly. And it's like, if I would have gone higher, I wouldn't have had as good a cover. So I don't know. I'm a huge proponent of just hunting. If you have to hunt four sticks high to find the cover, then do it. But if you can stay low, then why not? You get a better shot angle. Um, yeah. It's etc. But I'm trying to kind of speed this along just because I know we're short on time. But um, hunted that area, kind of picked it apart a few times and never did end up uh, seeing either of those bucks in daylight again, um, ran into another hunter who was hunting kind of closer to what I thought the bedding area was where I really wanted to capitalize and go in early November. 
but out of respect for him, he had a stand there. And I, I said, you know what, I won't, I'm not going to go anywhere near there. Um, but you know, a few things, I guess, to, to take away from it is I don't really like running trail cameras. I don't like using trail cameras a lot. I feel like they can throw you off. Had I not gotten pictures of those bucks, um, and I decided to hunt that area, I may have shot that two and a half year old, you know, like decent five, six point, whatever I may, I may have, I'm not sure, but, um, I don't know. It was, it was nice to know. I, I had scouted that Creek bed before and known that there was good buck bedding there, which is why I set the cameras there. And then all the pictures I got of these bucks, they were coming, you know, in the morning, they were heading back right towards those beds that I had previously located. So now going forward, it's just a matter of, you know, really getting in there in the off season, I think, and figuring out good access, um, it's, it's just one of those areas where it's so thick and so gnarly and nasty. And if you approach from one way, you have to cross a Creek that's pretty much impenetrable and there's thick brush all around. And that's why those older deer can live there because it is, I mean, to a T it is just, everything is in their advantage. Um, there's a lot of other, you know, points I could make on that. And, um, those two deer, I mean, I had a heck of a, heck of a time trying to hunt them down i threw a lot of sits in that area kind of switching it up all the time um did see a couple of the smaller bucks besides that that uh that two and a half year old uh saw a pile of does moving through there on this transition area but obviously didn't didn't take them um and then i guess i'll throw in the fact that uh it's not very far it's about a mile as the crow flies from the oak island and the oak island is pretty close to that same creek where these you know, the creek runs north and south, and those two nine points were, you know, they have some primary bedding, I believe, on right on the edge of the creek. Well, this creek goes way up to the north, and then the Oak Island is probably 100 yards off that creek. And what's funny is I had a trail camera up by the Oak Island, not the one I mentioned earlier, but a different one on this transition coming up from the creek on this edge of this Tamarack swamp. And I had pictures of uh those two nine points all season long up until about i think the last pictures i got of them were october 22nd what's crazy is they went they went rogue they went i mean they they disappeared like they usually do around that end of october time frame right and i told myself i'm gonna go check that oak island camera on that transition which was a i've seen bucks use it before and they they skirt the edge of this tamarack swamp coming up from the creek basically scent checking does bedding in this tamarack swamp and i'm like it would make so much sense if i get a picture of one of these bucks a mile and a half probably more i mean a mile as the crow flies but as far as a deer maneuvering it i mean it's a ways and i'm like it would not surprise me if i have a picture of one of these deer up there because there's so many does up there and uh Long story short, I, I went up there and checked it and checked that camera in November. And I had pictures of the tall brow tine buck who's, you know, I think a four or five year old. Um, I last got pictures of him in, in the original spot, October 22nd. And then I had pictures of him up there October 24th through like the 31st. And I'm talking daylight pictures. Um, it, it's just crazy how it's like, okay, he followed this creek all the way up and I don't know, just trying to piece things together for my own sake, like those river corridors where there's a lot of thick brush and nasty cover that a lot of people don't go into. And even if you do go into, it's hard to hunt. 
like deer feel very secure there. And that's why it was like, things kind of clicked for me in that sense where I'm like, he, these, these older bucks, at least these two really like hanging out on this thick river corridor. So I not have potential pictures of them a little bit further up the Creek. And, and I did. So, um, I guess that in a nutshell, I, I went pretty quick there. That was like four minutes. Um, I guess that was, that was the rest of my, uh, that was pretty much my bow season as far as trying to, trying to focus solely on shooting a, a nice mature buck. And I failed per usual, not very good at shooting those things, but I learned a lot. <laughs> and, um, I think I'm actually going to start deploying more trail cameras in areas like that, where I can try to basically confirm knowledge from scouting and, you know, it was fun. I had a, I had a great time trying to actually methodically hunt down one of two different, you know, really nice bucks in that area. So uh, I learned a lot about that huge chunk and um, hopefully they live through this season and get a crack at one of them next year. You left your cameras out there, you said? Um, like, are they still I, out there now? I repositioned. So those two that I originally had gotten pictures of them on, I pulled those like an idiot and I repositioned <clears throat> one of them and I believe I still have the one up by the Oak Island where I had pictures of, uh, the tall brow time one, um, that one's still out. And I think those are the only two I, I should have, I should have let them sit longer and just pulled the cards. I forget exactly what happened, but, um, those are the only two cameras I have out currently. Yeah. I was just wondering, like, you know, you could see if they survived or so if they were to oh, walk by I mean, one 100 percent. i'm i know i told you earlier but i'm gonna probably go out tomorrow um and try to do some wind bumps and uh i there's a there's a chance i get into that area and i may set some i may set some cams up in that area because i would like to just see just kind of monitor even if i don't hunt it again this year just to see if they survive but i'm definitely going to be in there during the off season uh just to kind of scout around look for sheds make sure kind of confirm those same areas I have marked as far as uh, buck bedding. And, you know, I act like I know what I'm doing, but I really have no clue. So just, well, uh, give we're it getting better. We're learning. Uh, I guess so. Learn. I mean, I feel like I learned a lot, but I'm still just outside of where I need to be. Well, that's been know. me for, that's been me for 10 years. And then, you know, uh, you know, I got Brandon and I both shot those does on October 2nd and he didn't shoot a deer all last year. Well, this year he starts hunting some, some other public land kind of near us and the guy's loaded in deer. You know, he, he missed a 130 to 140 incher. And then, you know, a few days later he shoots a 150 inch buck. And unfortunately it was a flesh wound and never recovered it. But I'm like, man, I've been doing this for like close to a decade and haven't had you know a shot opportunity at a buck that big and this is really your i mean maybe you could call it first year possibly second year hunting public land and you're already getting into deer like that it's like you know some people just maybe aren't as good as others that's what it comes down to it's all luck too man well not all luck but it's a lot of luck too yeah i'm just i'm just messing around but yeah no, I was happy. I was happy for him to get on deer like that. And you could just see like, like the fire in his eyes. He's like, dude, public land, like there's opportunity out there. It's like, yeah, it's, 
I mean, private land is great, but it also sequesters you to 40 acres or only 80 acres. Whereas public land, yeah, you might have to deal with other hunters and this and that, but you a lot of times have endless opportunity, you know? Yeah. For me, like I was just using the public this season anyway, just to practice being more mobile and also just to shake things up a little bit. Cause I've been staring at the same fields for the last 20 years hunting that farm so that stuff gets old after a while but i don't know like you said there's just so much more available you're not just stuck on your family's back 40 um do you want to talk about gun season at all i mean for me it was it was really only three or four days and uh i saw a few does but i kind of didn't want to shoot them yet I don't know. The, yeah. My dad, my dad always says like, I'll shoot the sixth doe that I see. And we usually end up seeing four or five. So <laughs> perfect. He's like, all right, didn't have to gut anything tonight. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did send him a text. I was like, Hey, you want me to shoot one of these does? He goes, no, don't shoot the mother of the year and a half year old. I'm shooting next year. I think I already Heck mentioned yeah. that, but um, not much for firearm season for me, man. I went up to, I actually worked, uh, opening day this year, which was the first time I've lived in Michigan and missed opening day, um, which was fine. I didn't, I didn't go up to the Rudyard deer camp, which was a bummer missed out on, you know, some good family time, but ended up going up the 16th to, uh, our camp in Montmorency again, Montmorency County. And, uh, first night I hunted a Creek bottom, um, kind of was just still hunting and, and bouncing around. And, uh, at, at last light, I had a spike come out of the swamp and was staring at me from 40 yards and man, you know, I haven't shot a spike since I was 14, but I cocked the hammer and I was like, I, I got to get one on the board for the boys up here. And I sat there and I was like, don't do it. You're, you're don't, you don't need to do it. nothing against anybody who wants to shoot a spike, but I've just, I've, I've shot enough bucks where I finally talked myself out of it i was like you don't need to shoot this deer so i did not shoot it um saw saw a pile of does um which i probably would have shot never really had good opportunities at them um out of our camp collectively out of our two camps up there i think everybody had shot opportunities a lot of guys were just passing on deer because we we all had pretty good bow seasons and weren't really just you know up there to oh man i gotta get a deer you know um Mm -hmm. So that was kind of nice. I think collectively we probably saw more deer than any other season. And then uh, Ty shot a seven and a half year old doe. Um, oh wow! Creek bottom. Yeah, he, uh, him, and I had the same idea that that afternoon. And I mean, unbeknownst to us, I didn't know he was doing it. He didn't know I was doing it. But we were both uh, took advantage of the high winds and a little bit of snow, and we were uh, putting the wind in our face and just kind of still hunting through. I was kind of hitting some jack pine areas where there was a lot of moss and found a lot of sign. And he ended up uh, kind of still hunting along a creek bottom and he shot, yeah, seven and a half, seven and a half year old doe at like three o'clock in the afternoon. So, <laughs> um, you know, between a lot of guys, that was, that was the only deer we shot. But um, another buddy who filled his uh, res- uh, unrestricted tag earlier in the season uh tuesday night he had gotten up there as well with me and he hunted an area and saw he said it was a really nice buck but he could not confirm that it had four on one side and so he passed on it um he said it was really big though he's like it had to have had four but it was just kind of moving and stopping and he just couldn't tell so he passed on it but that was pretty much gun season man i didn't really go out after that i just 
I don't get into gun season as much as I, you know, wish I would. I don't even get into like early November as much as I, I wish I would. Cause I don't know. I feel like I'm really, I really love deer hunting for the strategy of scouting and in season scouting and figuring out patterns. And when those patterns come together and you can put yourself in the right place, I feel very successful whether I kill a deer or not and call it a cop out, whatever. I mean, I know the best time to be in the woods and shoot a mature buck is, you know, late October, early November, which is probably why I have yet to kill a mature buck, but I just, I don't get into it. Like I do these times of year where you can pattern them. So it's a a cop out. I agree to it though. I mean, I feel kind of bad saying it, but this was like the least pumped up about gun season that I've ever been. And I think it was because bow season was so exciting and I was just, I don't know. I was stoked to be bouncing around and carrying the stand on my back and just sitting in wherever I wanted to sit, watching what the deer were doing and then making a move on them the next day, that kind of stuff. And, uh, sitting in the blind for three hours every day, just didn't quite do it. And I know I could be more mobile during gun season as well, but when it's like 15 degrees in the morning and all that, I, I don't know. I didn't really want to climb a tree. Mm-hmm. That's fair, man. Other than that though, for me, it's been, uh, well, I guess technically muzzleloader season opened here on Friday and uh, I didn't get out Friday, but, um, yesterday we went out and did a full day of wind bumps, the, the classic wind bumps and, you know, basically a glorified deer drive of just trying to use the wind to your advantage and kind of get upwind, um, of right. I always get confused upwind, downwind, upwind of bedding areas. One guy gets upwind of a bedding area and lets his wind carry through the bedding area. Um, and then you have somebody posted on the downwind side. Um, and I think I got that backwards, but no matter the case, you understand what I'm saying. And, uh, yesterday we were able to, to get one of my buddies, uh, his first deer of the year, he's been hunting really hard during bow season and during uh, gun season. And he hadn't filled the tag yet. So we were kind of dead set on getting two of these guys deer that hadn't shot a deer yet this year. And they both had opportunities. And unfortunately one of them, uh, missed a pretty good opportunity and one of them capitalized on the same push so we got one down we could have had four deer down we got one so that was cool and uh hopefully gonna gonna give it a go tomorrow for a little while are you gonna do any more bow hunting i always say i am um but with a little disclaimer i have a baby on the way don't know if i mentioned that in september congratulations Uh, yeah thanks man that is uh why i didn't go overseas um so spoiler uh, we alert. Got a, yeah spoiler alert um so that's why i've been really busy uh this season and just trying to get things ready and um for for april for the big arrival and um so i i'd like to hunt the late season but um i'm pretty content man i got two deer in the freezer buckless once yeah. again but um give it a few more goes here and see what happens buckless but not loinless mm-hmm. you bet yeah you i got some time coming up that i took off of work around the holidays and i'm gonna have like 10 days in a row and uh i don't think i'm gonna gun hunt anymore uh i know i could do like the late doe season but like i said 
I don't really feel like shooting one of the five does that we have on the farm, but I might take the bow out a couple more times around here. I know that we can even hunt around here into January too, which seems right. insane, but. Um, well, and that's, that's the thing too. Like if I go pull one of these cameras or I get Intel that these two bucks are kind of hanging around a certain area and I go out there and do some poking around and I see these big tracks, then I might be a little bit more, you know, they're going to get, especially in January. I mean, they're going to be on a freaking bed, bed to feed pattern. So yeah, if I can figure out what they're doing down there, then I might get a, I might still get a chance at one of these nice bucks if they survive. So I'm not going to say that I'm totally done bow hunting, but uh, you know, it's been a good season. So we'll, yeah, we'll play it by year. If I do hunt, it's going to be with the bow. And it, I'd like to get back over to my buddy's grandma's house and check those cameras again and see what's going on over there. Because, I mean, we know that property. I don't necessarily know what's going on in December and January over there, but I do know the layout at least. Because I, I feel like it's not really the time of year to go try to figure out some public land. Because it's, I don't know, you know, all the signs going to be covered up with snow or who knows. Uh, right. especially for me where I don't really necessarily know what I'm doing out there yet. Um, I don't know. December just doesn't seem like a time to try a brand new piece. Although you probably would have it all to yourself, which would be a positive. Yeah. December or January, you can get out there and just give it a shot. But man, it, you get those cold days. It, it, it's rough. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot more, uh, I guess not intimidating, but it's a lot tougher to convince yourself to get up in a tree wearing you know a bunch of clothes and it's frigid temperatures so it's just but hey you're not going to shoot them from the couch right that's right i'm really excited about next fall though i tell you that like i just there's so many things that i want to put into practice next year like i I need to schedule my time off better i want to practice a little bit more i got some some new stuff from my bow on Black Friday. I got a few more cell cameras that I'm going to run. It's going to be a good year, man. I'm I'm excited. Yeah. So, but is I, that kind of your is that kind of your plan for the? I mean, you got any other plans for the 2022 season, or is that kind of the gist of it? Uh, we're going to improve the farm a little bit more. My dad bought that tractor last year, so we should be able to get a lot more work done up there. Maybe get a little food plot going cool cool who knows because yeah. right now i mean if you had a little food plot on that little property right now that would be absolutely the place to be because all the crops and stuff are gone so like that that would be where the deer would be hanging out right now i would think yeah, that's a good point that's a good point i never thought about if you guys could put in some type of late season you know yeah food plot up there that would be a, a big draw especially with that thicket that you guys have kind of in the middle of the property that could be that could be the ticket Right. And then just kind of stay away from it all fall and only hunt it late season when you have to. That would be the, the right. way to you go, give I think. Time after gun season to settle down until, you know, a little bit later on. And then hopefully you get a pile of deer in there. But time will tell. Yes, sir. You got anything else you wanted to mention? Oh, no. Just, you know, 2022 season. I don't really know what it has in store for me with a with a newborn you know, six month old kid, basically by the time the 2022 season comes around. So I'll be, uh, I'll be happy to get out, but, uh, got, got bigger fish to fry and other priorities now. So probably won't get out nearly as much, but, um, 
I don't know, just keep trying to chase the elusive buck and probably just shoot does like I usually do, man. That's, that's pretty much it. I was Well, uh, hey, I'll be able to give you some tips on the uh the child rearing game. Yeah. Yeah. And how was, to how to get out in the woods and that kind of stuff. Yeah. My uncle and I I think have enough points uh as many points as we want to go hunt a uh, unit in Wyoming for uh antelope for pronghorn. So that was kind of the plan for 2022. We were going to get out there, but again, given the circumstances, we might have to push that back a couple of mm. years. So don't, don't really know if that's going to happen, but um, that's all right. That's small potatoes. It's all, it's all good. Yeah. That would be a blast though. Mm-hmm. Well, well, all right, well, man. That's about it for, it's uh, about it for my plans. Well, the freezers aren't empty. That's always a good thing. So that's good. All right. Well, I'll give a big shout out once again to our friends at Crooked Ben for sponsoring the podcast. Make sure you guys check out all their products at crooked-ben.com. And when you do place an order, use code Wolverine at checkout and you'll receive a free hat. Thanks again for listening. And remember to hunt smart, hunt hard. This is Wolverine Whitetail. <laughs>